Republicans are desperate to reopen the economy because if they don't, they'll have to do the unthinkable. Give money to someone other than rich people. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to do that now, would you? Not if you're a Republican. No. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, in Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, even during pandemics, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast, your stay-at-home radio companion. For those of you who are still staying at home out there, what with now all 50 states beginning to relax their uh, their uh, stay-at-home restrictions around the country, good luck. Stay safe out there, please. Yes, please. Because, for one, you're not being told the truth about a whole bunch of stuff. You are being misled. Uh, Hopefully you're living in a state where you are not being misled. But a lot of Americans are being misled, if only by the president of the United States. But not only the president of the United States. Even Wall Street is leading you uh, over a cliff. We warned you about that, sort of, at the beginning of the week. Um, I think it was on Monday when the stock market took this huge spike. It spiked up. Uh, the Dow uh, spiked almost 900 points or more than 900 points or something like that based on the <laughs> the idea. this company, Moderna. They had their vaccine. It was almost ready to go. That means the entire economy was coming back. That means it's time to invest in Wall Street. Well, on Monday, we warned you about that. The um, Moderna had shot up like uh, 50% because they had put out a report that some, what was it, eight people... In an extremely small study. Well, it was phase one of their study of this new vaccine that uh, something like eight people had responded well to it 
in this phase one uh, part of the test. And it was not a peer-reviewed study. It was not, there was no data that anyone could look at. It was just basically the company putting out this word that, hey, eight people responded favorably to this uh, vaccine in our phase one trials, and we're going to start phase two pretty soon and phase three in July. And, of course, the market was delighted about it. It shot up 900 points. Now, the day before that Monday high for Moderna, when their stock shot up to almost 50 percent, up to like ninety three dollars, uh, the day prior to that, uh, I guess it would have been the Friday before, um, they had closed at $66.19. And then they made this announcement, and then it shot up, and then everybody said, great, America is back open for business. If you don't believe it, just look at Wall Street, look how well they're doing, and look at Moderna, whose stock is up 93 dollars and eight cents on Monday. Uh, and we told you on Monday's show... We cautioned you about all of that. Today, um, as we go to air, Moder uh, not even a week later, Moderna closed at $67.05. So not even up $1 from where it was before it skyrocketed on Monday with that announcement because people started to notice, oh, wait a minute. There is no peer-reviewed study. Oh, wait a minute. What about the other 45 people in that study? How did they do? How did, did they respond to this vaccine? There have been questions over the week, suffice to say, uh, ever since the uh, their stock price hit that high uh, on what I called on Monday uh, as irrational exuberance based on this non-peer-reviewed company announcement that eight people in phase one of the vaccine trial showed positive results. Um. Maybe so, maybe not. Maybe this vaccine will end up working. We don't know. But, you know, uh, the Dow shot up more than 900 points in response to that. Yes, irrational exuberance. Yes, people, you know, hoping, finding any sort of clue, any sort of thread that they can find to say that, uh, oh, everything's fine. America, the world is back in business now. We got a vaccine. Everything is cool. It isn't. Don't be gaslighted. It isn't. But it was a nice distraction for Wall Street and for the Trump administration, allowing them to pretend that all is well and that the economy is getting back to normal and that everything is fine. Everything, however, is not fine. Despite the attempts by Trump and his Republican henchmen in Congress to pretend that it is in hopes that you are distracted from reality. So I hate to do it again. But here's some reality here on the broadcast. I'm sorry. I know it's not nearly as fun, but it is reality. And I feel a responsibility to uh, bring you some of it since I don't think you're getting enough. President Trump and top Republican lawmakers are mounting fresh opposition today to extending enhanced unemployment benefits to the millions of Americans who are still out of work, even as the administration released New jobless figures on Thursday showing 2.4 million Americans newly applied for benefits last week. The reluctance by the White House and top GOP leaders, according to Washington Post, drew sharp rebukes from congressional Democrats who argue the coronavirus outbreak threatens to further ravage the U.S. workforce unless the government authorizes additional aid. The clash could intensify in the next six weeks 
as policymakers stare down a July 31 deadline. Yes, that is when extended benefits for the unemployed are set to expire, while the country's labor market is expected to only worsen. Well, it's not expected to worsen if you're Donald Trump or if you're the Republicans. Why would you want to extend unemployment benefits? Well, more than 38.6 million Americans have now sought unemployment benefits over the past nine weeks. According to the Labor Department, in its most recent update illustrating the rolling devastation wrought by the pandemic. Now, the good news here, if we can call it that, is that over the past week it was only 2.4 million Americans who newly applied for unemployment last week, even though there has never been even one single weekly unemployment number above 1 million in the history of the program going back to the 1950s, including during the Great Recession, where we didn't have any weekly jobless numbers like this, much less nine weeks in a row now as we have since the coronavirus kicked in. But that 2.4 million number last week is is at least the lowest weekly number that we have seen in the past nine weeks, which began uh, like a rocket with about 3.2 million in that first week. It kicked up to about 6.6 million the next week. It stayed above six the week after that, and it has slowly been working its way down since then. But it's still two and a half times the all-time pre-COVID record for for weekly jobless claims. Of course, almost all of those people are still unemployed. So even as the numbers are coming down, basically it's just new claims that are coming down. Those people aren't going back to work. So we're talking about new weekly jobless claims in, in any given week here, which is why the total jobless is still on the rise. And it is now at 38.6 million according to the official numbers, which are lower than the real numbers because they don't include uh, people who have quit looking for work uh, and the many others who are still having trouble even getting through to still overwhelmed state websites and phone numbers to make their initial application. Washington Post reports that more than 200,000 out-of-work Americans are still in line for payments in Florida. In Florida alone, they're still waiting to get uh, to, to complete the process. That according to state data from Florida. New York says its backlog is about 44,000. But at issue now is the enhanced unemployment aid that Congress approved in late March, which included an extra $600 in weekly payments to out-of-work Americans. On Tuesday... This past week, President Trump articulated his reluctance to extend those benefits during a closed-door lunch with Senate Republicans, many of whom share his concern that the expanded federal payments deter people from returning to work. Well, yeah, that was the idea. That was the idea. It was designed by Congress to do exactly that, to encourage people to not come to work uh, and spread or catch the disease, which is still why the program remains important. Unless you want to 
force workers back into close quarters and begin ramping up the infection and the death rate again, which seems to be the ill-considered strategy of Donald Trump and the Republicans in Congress right now. Yeah, they want to starve you back to work so they don't have to pay unemployment benefits that you actually, you know, earned and deserve. And they try to pretend they want to force you back so that they can pretend that they can distract you from the idea that, no, things are not normal. Things are not better. No, America should not now yet be open for business. Top Republicans signaled support for paring back those benefits during a meeting on Tuesday that was attended by the vice president and the Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and um, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, that, according to a person familiar with the matter who spoke on the condition of anonymity uh, to the to the post, party leaders also agreed to delay another round of coronavirus aid for three to four weeks, according to this person, because I guess no rush. They can just, you know, keep firing that four trillion dollar Federal Reserve money cannon towards the big corporations in the meantime even as many regular Americans continue to struggle to pay their rent or their mortgage and states across the country are running out of money. McConnell apparently told House lawmakers on Wednesday that extending the unemployment increase, quote, uh, will not be in the next bill. So whatever the next bill is, they're not going to extend the unemployment uh, increase, that $600 increase. The renewed Republican opposition incensed congressional Democrats who have sought to maintain and augment federal unemployment aid. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon said the worst thing that Republicans can do to the economy and American families is to allow supercharged unemployment benefits to expire. And he's right. Those benefits, with at least uh, 40 million Americans currently out of work, those benefits are what are now keeping the U.S. economy afloat. Unemployment uh, benefits are about the best thing that you can do to help a struggling economy from crashing because the people who receive those benefits actually spend them almost immediately on rent, mortgage, food, etc. It goes straight into the economy. Unlike tax cuts that you give to rich people and, and they put them in the bank or the stock market. Which or into pretty, another yacht. Or into another yacht. But all of that pretty much helps nobody other than those in the Wall Street casino. It doesn't help the, the, the corner shopkeeper to keep his doors open the way it does if you give actual out-of-work Americans some money to go buy groceries. The unemployment rate in April hit 14.7 percent. That is higher than during the Great Recession, just like all of these weekless job, uh, weekly jobless numbers are. That complicates a recovery effort that even some in the Trump administration fear, according to the Post, could take years, years to resolve. But hey, cut off money that is keeping it afloat and things will get, you know, much worse, very quickly, at least according to economists who are thinking about the economy as opposed to thinking about, you know, this November's elections and the commercials that they might run. 
Martha Gimbel, a uh, labor economist at Schmidt Future, said the the economic need is not going away. The fact that we are two months into this and we're still getting multi-million claims numbers, jobless claims numbers, speaks to how deep and intense the economic pain is right now. The threat of a protracted downturn prompted... Uh, Jerome Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve Board, to warn that Congress earlier this week may need to authorize additional stimulus, additional stimulus during a hearing with the Senate Banking Committee on Tuesday. Jerome Powell did not say it's time to back off on that stimulus. It's time to back off on the money that you give to workers, uh, unemployed workers that actually serves as stimulus across the entire economy. No, he said Congress is going to have to do more. And this is a guy who's got more than $4 trillion to give out to pretty much anyone he wants right now. And he's doing it. He's giving it out. They're buying off uh, a debt from uh, corporations all across the country, corporations who are in debt not because of the coronavirus crisis, but just because that's how they operate. Just because, you know, when they got those huge tax cuts, they put it in their pockets. They gave it, you know, in bonuses. Uh, instead of investing it, instead of saving it in their companies. Trump and uh, some of his top aides, however, uh, have articulated a contrary view to the Federal Reserve Board chair, insisting that business is set to rebound and jobs will return much more quickly than experts than experts envision. And when has the administration never not been much, much smarter than the experts on just about everything? <laughs> Trump affirmed that again uh, this week. He said, we're opening up. The states are opening up. It's a transition to greatness, <laughs> he said. The, uh, the, the weekly payments to out-of-work Americans, the Post notes, function as a form of stimulus in their own right. More than a decade ago, Washington similarly responded to the 2008 financial crisis by adopting a wave of stimulus efforts that included extending unemployment benefits eligibility up to 99 weeks, 99 weeks during the 2008 crisis. Here, in a far worse crisis, they extended it just 13 weeks, though with an additional $600 weekly payment. But just for 13 weeks. Uh, Chad Stone, the top economist at the uh, Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, says unemployment insurance in a normal recession is a great stimulus because it has high bang for your buck. People spend it. It's very valuable to the people receiving it. And it's beneficial to the economy. But. At the same time, business groups are balking at the payments, fearing they're too high and creating disincentives for people to return to work. On Wednesday, Senate Democrats held a conference call with Mark Zandi. He's the chief economist for Moody's, Moody's Analytics. He stressed uh, that lawmakers must extend enhanced unemployment insurance. He said after the call that as long as unemployment is in double digits, the unemployed need continued extraordinary financial support. He said that uh, adding additional aid for employers is also critical. Senate Republicans, however, maintain that they are unified in their opposition to extending the $600 unemployment benefit, according to Rick Scott of Florida. 
Several Senate Republican staffers uh, privately have told advisors off Capitol Hill that they expect the GOP to accept some extension of the unemployment benefit increase, despite the caucus's opposition to the expansion. However, GOP offices are considering a raft of potential compromises that they could try to find, including phasing out the size of the payments or offering a one-time lump sum. Yeah, that's absurd. Why is it absurd? The one-time lump sum, I, if I remember correctly, it was $6,000. Here you go, $6,000. Good luck to you. Good luck paying your uh, mortgage on that for more than a month or two. Good Re- luck with paying anything for more than a month or two on that. Republicans may face political consequences for cutting unemployment benefits for tens of millions of people during the economic crisis, not to mention uh, just six months from a critical presidential election. I think that's what we are, right? About six months now from uh, the election. Bill Hoagland, a Republican and former staff director on the Senate Budget Committee, said, quote, I don't see any way they'll be successful in shutting down some of the unemployment benefits when we get the uh, unemployment numbers for May and June. Remember, the 4.7, whatever it was, 14.7 percent. That's just April we're talking about. We don't even have the numbers yet for May and June. Uh, Hoagland said to say we uh, we don't need uh, say to say we won't do any extension of those benefits when we reach that peak in unemployment. Politically, he said, does not make any sense to me. These statements about not extending benefits make no sense at all. And he's right. Maybe that's why he's the former staff director of the Senate (laughs) Budget Committee. Financial journalist David Dayen reports today at the uh, the prospect that uh, the American prospect that households with half of all Americans have lost income since March. According to the Census Bureau, millions failed to make their credit card and car payments. Mortgage delinquencies saw their biggest one month jump ever. And now one in 16 mortgages are delinquent. Food insecurity, he says, as is now at un, is now unspeakably high and the projections are only worse. But much of the immediate pain is coming at the above poverty level, he says, where people who once could afford a mortgage or a car payment now cannot. Money from the increased unemployment payout is keeping the working poor and the economy barely afloat. But that's coming to an end if you believe the Republican leadership. He notes that you will, uh, if that if that happens, you will get a spiraling effect as people would cut back on basic necessities in addition to everything else. He says that is a recipe for a depression without any replacement for it. Remember, consumer spending is what, two thirds, 80 percent somewhere yeah, of the U.S. Of economy. The economy. So yeah. when consumers don't have money to spend which they don't, and they definitely won't once extended unemployment enhanced benefits cancel out, that's going to cause a severe slowdown in everything. Dan goes on to predict that uh, since Trump and the Republicans are eager to project that recovery is just around the corner in hopes of squirming out of providing help to anyone not in a business suit, he writes, I suspect (laughs) we will take this all the way to that July 31 deadline before knowing how tens of millions of jobless will fare. 
It's shockingly irresponsible, he says, but also how Congress operates. It is. Just wait until the very end. At least when it, you know, when it has to do with individuals, with the American people, with the American workers. When it comes to businesses, how many times have you heard Republicans tell us, well, businesses need to prepare. They need to know. They can't. They, they need regulatory certainty. certainty. Yes. But humans... Actual Americans, the people who run the country, the keep people who, who keep the lifeblood of the country going, yeah, you know, you guys can suffer with insecurity until we'll let you know what we're going to give you. But never mind that. Never mind all of that. Distractions. We don't don't look at the reality. True. Just have distractions. Trump has Trump today now has a new director of national intelligence, Congressman John Ratcliffe, who, when he was first nominated by Trump last year, he was rejected by both Democrats and Republicans alike because guess what? He made up stuff on his resume and he has zero intelligence work experience at all, despite the fact that by law, the director of national intelligence, the nation's top intelligence official in, in charge of the nation's 17 or so intelligence agencies and a, a budget of tens of billions. According to the law, the DNI must have intelligence experience at least according to the rule of law for those who believe in such things. But hey, we got a new DNI. Let's hold a hearing on that. Let's hold a vote. Apparently, Republicans do not care about the rule of law. They approved his nomination on Thursday after Trump renominated Ratcliffe a second time after he had withdrawn his nomination last year. Ratcliffe is a huge supporter of Donald Trump. He was a big uh, uh, supporter of his during the impeachment process in the House. And he went on to receive more votes in opposition to his uh, nomination, some 44 in the U.S. Senate, more than anyone who has ever held that post. So distractions. Also, Trump is pulling out of yet another crucial arms treaty with Russia. Look at that. Talk about that. Talk about anything but what's actually going on, the threats that are actually facing the American people right now. Distractions. What coronavirus? What record unemployment? America is back, baby. And it's a transition to greatness. The great, the actual great Randy Rainbow this week had a thought or two on all of this. We are back, Mr. President. I want to thank you for respecting recommended CDC guidelines and wearing a mask. Oh, that's just your face. Um, let's discuss the unfortunate matter at hand, the global crisis that is devastating countless American lives, wreaking economic havoc, the reason that we have all been forced to take shelter in our homes. Obamagate. Uh, what is that? It was the greatest political crime in the history of our country. Some of your harshest critics say that these attacks on the former president and your recent Twitter tantrums are meant to distract from your failed coronavirus response. We're of the assumption that by the end of the year, we're going to have a vaccine. Ooh, could you hold off on that just a little longer? It's going to take me a while to lose all the quarantine weight. Look, the, le the less successful we are in opening, the better they are probably, maybe, for an election. But I'm letting people know, in many cases, they're doing it just for- A global pandemic. Sounds like some fictional Steven Soderbergh bullshit from 2011, right? <laughs> Believe it or not, it's a real thing. People are suffering. Millions are out of work. The economy has evaporated. And worst of all, I haven't had a haircut in more than two months. 
So how does an unprepared reality TV host pretending to be the president deal with such an unprecedented crisis? I can tell you in one word. This was all Obama. Distraction. Distraction. This was all Biden. Distraction. 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 And we caught them. Distraction. La 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 la. La 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 la. How he tries to occupy your mind. To perplex you. He deflects to any shiny object he can find. They wanted Hillary Clinton to win. So many people fighting for their lives or scared to lose their jobs and stuck inside their houses. Thousands of people dying on your watch and who is it you're thinking of? Obama? Obama! <laughs> Obama! That's the enemy of the people. Distraction! Obama! It is a disgrace. Destruction! We've done more testing than all of the countries in the world. Anyone who wants can get a test, he shouts. A proper test, a perfect test. Where the hell are all these perfect tests, he touts. There's only one thing on his freaking mind. Sleepy Joe Biden. Election! Election! I'm getting really good poll numbers. Destruction! Deception! Deception! Over 10 million tests. They've never gotten over losing to me. We hope that you might lead us with some dignity and tact. <laughs> we thought you'd somehow grow from this, but girl, you're petty. Confusion, digression, Make America great again, right? Recession, election, inaction, infection, Nancy Pelosi's a disaster. Obamagate. Hydroxychloroquine. Maybe that's a question you should ask China. He tries his best to baffle as he stupefies and stalls. How long till he just starts posting pictures of his bum? Disgusting. Disgusting. Everybody disagreed when I did that. Disgusting. Look, there were a number of questions raised by the actions of the Obama administration. Destruction. This was all Obama. So many people fight for their lives, but it's better than the shots. But I'm sorry, but it's a million of thousands of people fight on your own shoes. Go with the first place, get go. a disgrace what's happened Destruction. <laughs> Obamagate <laughs> the great Randy Rainbow uh, and by the way the video of the song is even funnier it I is will, of course do uh, look it up <laughs> la- we'll link to it uh, when I post uh, today's broadcast uh, at uh, bradblog.com later tonight can you tell that I'm just Oh, I am antsy to get out for the holidays. That's all I can tell you, because I am burnt. Uh, But we're not there yet. Take a quick break, and we will come back with more Bradcast and more distractions, no doubt. I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the Bradcast. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Are you ready for the summer? Yes. 
Oh man, can you feel it? The excitement in the air. It's Memorial Day weekend coming up. Everybody's ready to go out, have fun, go to the amusement parks, sports, baseball game. Oh, wait a minute. No, maybe not. Global pandemic. Yeah, Yeah, there's. Well, but don't tell Donald Trump because he thinks we're ready. We're open for business. Whether you're ready or not. We can end the unemployment. We can uh, open up. uh, Everything's fine. Uh, and and fine, it should be because, uh, you know, the folks on Fox News, they've been working very hard for the past several weeks talking about how outrageous it is that people are having to stay at home, being ordered to stay at home, calling for these protests, fomenting these protests, you know, all over the country. Well, not all over the country, in states where there are Democratic governors, at least. So uh, I'm sure they're they're delighted now that the doors are beginning to open. Right. Well, as uh, Brian Stelter <laughs> over at uh, uh, over at CNN's uh, Reliable Sources reported recently, and this is a story I've been trying to get to for the past week. We're off, as I said, for a long holiday weekend shortly, but there's a number of stories I've been trying to get to. This is one of them. So Fox News stars, he writes, are echoing Trump's call to reopen the country. They're urging people to get back to work in the face of the coronavirus, but the Offices at Fox News will not be opening anytime soon, according to Stelter. Yes, a recent memo from Fox Corp Chief Operating Officer John Nalen extended the company's work-from-home directive through June 15. That date could very well be delayed further, he says. Stelter reports the big corporations like Fox are making calculations and finding that now is actually not the time to let people back into the office en masse. As one Fox source told him, quote, we were originally told a potential return to the office uh, in mid-May. That was back in late March. He said, so I wouldn't be surprised if we do not make the June 15 date and we push that to late summer. Meanwhile, at CNN, where Stelter works, the vast majority of staffers who have been working from home since March have been told that they will not be back in the office until September at the earliest. Fox has been working with a skeleton crew at their New York headquarters with essential personnel there only. And most Fox anchors have been working from home, even as they are telling everyone else to get back out there and get back to work, you slackers. Uh, Other uh, TV networks have been operating the same way with a greatly reduced headcount, but Fox's work-from-home approach has been getting some extra attention due to the rah-rah back-to-work rhetoric espoused on pro-Trump shows like Fox and Friends. That, even as The Friends, each broadcast from the safety of their own homes in their little box on the screen while telling everyone else to get out there and die for your country, suckers. I mean, great American patriots. Uh, Some hosts, says Stelter, have expressed caution and emphasized the need for safety. Others have been gung-ho about getting back to normal, even while broadcasting from their own homes or other socially distant locations. 
telling viewers uh, these uh, Fox stars hosting from their homes have been telling viewers that it's time to get back out. It's time to reopen the country. He says, uh, Stelter says, it's strange to see that. Well, only strange if you don't appreciate the fact that Fox News is not actually a news network at all. It is a propaganda channel. What they say uh, versus what they do have absolutely nothing to do with each other end of story. Of course, the lockdowns uh, that they continue to rail against over at uh, Fox That even as now all 50 states have begun to relax at least some of their earlier restrictions, those lockdowns saved tens of thousands of lives and could have and arguably should have saved tens of thousands of more lives had Donald Trump and the federal government and those states that uh, were late in locking down or never locked down at all had they taken quicker action Rather than denial, they could have saved tens of thousands of lives at the beginning of the crisis. And we now know this because we have a study Um, in the uh, New York Times today. If the United States had begun imposing social distancing measures just one week earlier in March, about 36,000 fewer people would have died in the pandemic. 36,000? That, according to new estimates from Columbia University's uh, disease modelers, and if the country had begun locking down cities and limiting social contact on March 1, two weeks earlier than when most people started staying at home, a vast majority of the nation's death, about 83% of those deaths, would have been avoided, according to the researchers. Even small differences in timing would have prevented the worst exponential growth in this disease, according to the researchers. And it is true, according to their uh, their their charts here. So uh, the number of uh, reported deaths by May 3, there were 65,307 of them. If they had uh, if the lockdowns had begun just one week earlier, the death rate at the end of May would have been twenty nine thousand. 410. Had they started two weeks earlier, the death rate uh, by the beginning of May um, would have been just 11,253. Now, that's still a lot of dead uh, people, still a lot of deaths. Still many devastated families. But compared to what we got, 65,300. Yeah. Those few days would have made a huge difference to a lot of people. Jeffrey Shaman, the uh, epidemiologist at Columbia and the leader of this research team, said it's a big, big difference. That small moment in time, catching it in the growth phase, is incredibly critical in reducing the number of deaths. The findings are based on infectious disease modeling that gauges how reduced contact between people starting in mid-March slowed the transmission of the virus. The results show that as states now reopen, outbreaks can easily get out of control unless officials closely monitor infections and immediately clamp down on new flare-ups, which, of course, they are not doing. At least not for the most part. And worse, in GOP-run states, they're actually pretending that the infections aren't happening at all. They're not reporting the numbers or they're fudging the data to try to hide 
the real numbers. They're firing those scientists and statisticians who are otherwise trying to tell the truth to the public, as we saw in Arizona a couple of weeks ago when the state health department there told the infectious disease expert modelers at two different state universities who are supplying uh, data and charts to the to the state and to the public for free that they should. Oh, they can stand down now. They can stop what they're doing, you know, just as the Republican governor there decided it's time to open things up. Uh, thankfully, at least in Arizona, media reporting on that issue and, and, and subsequent public outrage led them to reverse course in Arizona. But then there was the story in Florida we just told you about a few days ago where they fired the woman, Rebecca Jones, who uh, who led the team, who led the uh, Florida State Health Department team that created the state's highly lauded COVID-19 dashboard because, as she said, she was not willing to censor the data as the state reopened. Because, you know, if you change the data on the website, if you tell people that uh, people haven't aren't getting infected and that they're not dying, I guess that makes it true. So Florida fired her because she was unwilling to do that. And since then, the, the that uh, dashboard in Florida has been littered with errors and incorrect data. And the raw data that was previously available to health officials and experts is now no longer available to them. If it was up to Donald Trump, he wouldn't be testing anyone at all, as he uh, said last week. Where was this? In, this uh, was in Allentown, Pennsylvania. When you test, you have a case. When you test, you find something is wrong with people. If we didn't do any testing, we would have very few cases. See, if we just didn't test, we wouldn't have this problem. There we, would be no cases because be no we don't infections. show any. Yeah, right. it's like it magically disappears. Fire all the coroners, by the way. If there were no death certificates, we wouldn't have any dead people either. Just throw them in the lake. Throw them in the ocean. No one will miss them. This uh, new data from Columbia uh, shows that each day that officials waited to impose restrictions in early March came at a huge cost. And now with states disappearing the data and failing to do proper contact tracing and Republicans hoping to force people back to work by cutting off their unemployment in the middle of a, of a depression. Well, that'll get them back to work, won't it? They got no money. You better come in for work. Sorry if you get infected. Don't worry. We won't test you so you won't be infected at all. Each day that this happens is likely to be very costly in lives to the point where I'll tell you what, I hope someone at some point somehow is held accountable for what arguably amounts to mass murder at this point. That is a charge that, uh, frankly, should be brought, uh, by the way, against the Wisconsin Supreme Court, as far as I'm concerned, at least the Republicans on the Supreme Court. As you recall, the state of Wisconsin plowed ahead with their in-person election last month, despite the many dangers. Well, as uh, David Sirota reports over at the uh, Jacobin, a new study now suggests exactly what many feared, a direct link between voting in person and, yes, spreading COVID-19. He notes that Republicans have asserted there was no problem with Wisconsin holding an election in the middle of a pandemic. Well, state lawmakers uh, plowed forward with that April election, suggesting it was totally safe. 
A GOP congressman has recently said, quote, if you look at Wisconsin, I've yet to see a spike or anything in coronavirus cases that anybody said was statistically significant related to the fact that they had voting. It's amazing what you don't see when you don't look. Yeah, exactly. What testing? What infections? Well, a new study from the University of Wisconsin and Ball State University researchers uh, tells the opposite story. That new study says we find a statistically and economically significant association between in-person voting and the spread of COVID-19 two to three weeks after the Wisconsin elections. Furthermore, we find the consolidation of polling locations, uh, which they did in in Milwaukee. Instead of having uh, 400 and something uh, as they normally do in Milwaukee, they had five total, five. Uh, So the consolidation of polling locations and relatively fewer absentee votes increased positive testing rates two to three weeks after the election. And that, by the way, is a story that I've been trying to get to as well for the past (laughs) week, because you could see they actually in Wisconsin had sort of begun to plateau. uh, And then about two weeks after the election, the number of infections, boom, started going back up. The uh, study says that Wisconsin counties with higher levels of in-person voting per polling location led to increases in the weekly positive rate of COVID-19 tests. Furthermore, counties with higher absentee voting participation had lower rates of detecting COVID-19 two to three weeks after the election. The Wisconsin study emerges at a critical moment as House Democrats are right now pushing legislation to try and fund the expansion of vote-by-mail systems. Sirota notes that Trump and his Republican allies are fighting those efforts, manufacturing concerns that are complete BS. He used a different word. I'll (laughs) go with BS here. Uh, Meanwhile, speaking of Wisconsin, before we get out to our Green News report, Mike in Wisconsin writes in to say, I live in Mississippi." That after the state Supreme Court there forced voters to vote in person last month and then struck down Democratic Governor Tony Evers safer at home order just a few days ago. Throwing the doors open with no statewide plan in place to replace it in the middle of a pandemic. Mike writes to us uh, via Bradcast at Bradblog.com to say hi, Brad. Back when Scott Walker became Wisconsin's governor, he added open for business to the welcome to Wisconsin signage at our state borders. At the time, I thought the change of our state name to Mississippi was appropriate. (laughs) I was hoping that the election of a Democratic governor would change things. But of course, with the state legislature under Voss and Fitzgerald, they run the uh, the House and Senate there in the gerrymandered Wisconsin legislature. Republicans. Yeah, with them in charge, not so much, not to mention our, quote, nonpartisan Wisconsin Supreme Court. I have to remind myself that it's better than it would have been with Walker in charge. I think that's true. He says, for instance, we'd be reading about Wisconsin Department of Health Services doctoring COVID-19 reporting along with Florida. He adds, Rebecca Jones is my new hero. Hopefully we can change things over time, but with gerrymandering and voter suppression, God only knows. Wisconsin, he writes, is a beautiful state. I was born here, and I'm sure I'll die here. Hopefully by then it will be Wisconsin again and not Mississippi. Wish us luck. Best always, Mike. Well, thank you, Mike. And good luck. 
Yeah, we do wish you luck. Uh, We wish luck to everyone around the country. Do not be fooled. Pay attention uh, to what's actually going on. Don't be distracted. Don't fall for the nonsense. Check your registration. Check your mailing address with your county elections officials to make sure that you are registered and ready to vote in November. And uh, when you especially if you have a primary coming up, too. Yeah, uh, a lot of them coming up in, in June. Uh, and yeah, make sure when you check your registration, make sure you're registered, but make sure they have your proper address. I guess we can't say that enough either uh, this year because they'll be sending out absentee ballot applications, absentee ballots themselves. Make sure your address is correct in your voter registration. That remains our only firewall and our only way out. And just be sure that you tell your friends and your family and especially young voters who are going to have to navigate this insane system that we have, they could use your help. One story that I had hoped to get to uh, before the holiday here is out of Georgia. Maybe I'll uh, get to it next week, but I'll just sort of give you the headline from uh, from Marcos Melitza, M- Marcos Melitzas at Daily Coast. The headline is, holy crap, Trump is on track to lose Georgia. New poll uh, that they commissioned there finds uh, Joe Biden is up over Donald Trump by one point. Thanks to uh, votes in the suburbs, which have completely flipped from what they were in 2016. And he also notes that in Georgia, uh, Democrats could actually pick up two U.S. Senate seats. It won't be easy, but they may pick up two because there's one normal Senate race there and one special election uh, for the U.S. Senate. And right now, Republicans are in danger of losing both of them in the state of Georgia, which means... Yes. Which means that they're going to be ramping up their voter suppression. Exactly. What I was going to say was at (laughs) least if everyone is able to cast their vote and have their vote uh, counted and counted as cast. And that is a big if, but it's a big if that we will continue to follow and fight for over the next several months. All right. Quick break. And we're back with Desi Doyen and the latest Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. That's bradblog.com slash donate And thanks. You know, even with all the lockdowns and the restrictions, I suspect a lot of people are looking forward to summer, summer somehow, uh, but not Desi Doyen. <laughs> you can still go outside. Well, I know, but you're, you've are you been warning about how hot it's going to be and how bad the heat is going to be. And I suspect you may be right as the uh, climate change continues to get worse and worse, even while we're all distracted with all sorts of other things. Uh, as we discuss in our latest Green News Report. 
you're in an impacted area, please evacuate. Michigan dams fail, causing massive flooding and toxic threat. It's one of the most powerful storms ever recorded in the Bay of Bengal. Super cyclone Amphan slams into India. Trump administration hits renewable energy projects with rent increases. Plus, global emissions plunged an unprecedented 17% during pandemic shutdowns. All of those stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Thank you so much for that, Desi. Now, I'm even more confused. See? Even The Daily Show's Trevor Noah is confused by you. This <laughs> is your Green News Report. Where's Brad? Uh-oh. Brad. Okay, Desi Doyen, I'm almost afraid to ask, but what do you have for us today? Powerful Cyclone Amphan, the strongest storm ever recorded in the Bay of Bengal, made landfall in eastern India near the Bangladeshi border on Wednesday night, bringing major flooding with reports of widespread damage. Bangladesh, one of the poorest nations in the world, had evacuated 2.4 million people to shelters. Mm. Officials say it will take days to assess the extent of the damage. And of course, those evacuated in India and Bangladesh were also under stay-at-home orders, and they have have to go to shelters now and try to socially distance inside the shelters? Yes, it's a terrible situation. And that's a similar situation to what we're seeing in Michigan right now. Yes, about 10,000 residents were forced to evacuate from catastrophic record flooding amid the global pandemic after two aging dams failed in central Michigan on Tuesday night. The region has seen record rains of as much as 250 percent above normal in recent weeks. Both dams were privately owned and had been rated in fair to unsatisfactory condition. As we go to air, no deaths have been reported. Michigan's Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer declared a state of emergency and in a press conference on Wednesday remarked on the stunning impact of two simultaneous disasters. It's hard to believe that we're in the midst of a hundred year crisis, a global pandemic, and that we're also dealing with a, a flooding event that looks to be the worst in 500 years. But wait, there's more. Uh The floodwaters threaten to inundate Dow Chemical Company headquarters and some 50 miles of toxic Superfund cleanup sites where Dow dumped toxic cancer-causing chemical waste for decades. The floodwaters could spread poisonous chemicals like dioxin. Mm. Studies have confirmed that heavy downpours have already increased nearly 40 percent since 1950 in the Midwest alone because of man-made climate change. And obviously now we see our aging infrastructure is not ready. Yeah, there's another dozen or so dams across the state of Michigan that have also been uh, found to be structurally unsound. In Washington, the Trump administration has been pushing hard for tax giveaways and other financial assistance and bailouts for the oil and gas industry. Instead of fixing the infrastructure. Going so far as to give oil companies drilling on public lands a break on royalties paid to the public for extracting their natural resources because of the coronavirus pandemic. But this week, the Trump Bureau of Land Management decided suddenly that this was the week to end a two-year-long rent holiday for solar and wind projects that are operating (laughs) on public lands. The Bureau of Land Management hit them with a massive retroactive rent bill Wow! in the middle of a pandemic. They're giving free money away to the oil and gas industry, but when it comes to the renewable industry... 
Oh, you must pay the rent. But I can't pay the rent. You must pay the rent. Finally, the wave of shutdowns caused by the coronavirus pandemic has fueled a massive drop in global greenhouse gas emissions. According to a new analysis published this week, daily global carbon dioxide emissions plunged an estimated 17 percent in April over the same period last year, much of the drop from reduced transportation from fossil fuel vehicles taken off the roads. Overall, the researchers estimate global carbon emissions will fall about 7% for the entire year. Of course, it won't last as countries resume economic and industrial activity. But that 7% drop is the amount that climate scientists say we must cut global emissions by every year for the next decade if we are to avert the worst impacts of climate change. According to climate scientist Dr. Michael Mann of Penn State University on a recent broadcast, the study demonstrates that individual behavioral changes are not enough. We need massive, coordinated government action to tackle the climate crisis. We can continue to maintain a healthy economy and solve this problem if we decarbonize our economy. It's not rocket science. If you move away from fossil fuel burning to renewable energy, Mm -hmm. then you can continue to maintain a healthy economy without generating the carbon pollution. And another way to look at it, we reached 17% emissions reduction by accident, not by design. Imagine what we could do if we actually tried. There's an idea. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Imagine all the people You're a dreamer. <laughs> but I'm not the only one. No, you're not. Uh, thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always appreciated. It is always an honor. If you missed any portion of this show or any other that we have done going back years and years and years, you can always download them for free at bradblog.com. That service, this show, and bradblog.com itself is all made possible only by listeners like you uh, who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. And we are running on fumes at this point as we head into the uh, Memorial Day holiday. So thank you very much. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at thebradblog. Unless I can stop paying attention to Twitters and Facebook for a few days. That might be nice. Imagine that. And uh, I think that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. But I'm not the only one.